KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Got a call from the Bucks, and the fifth round had just started. And they said, you know, hey, Justin, you know, if you're still there, and we're going to take you with the, you know, seventh pick in the fifth round. Man, that was, it was just one of those, everything, just all the work and teammates and hard times and good times and everything that I had hoped for kind of finally came to fruition and got lived out in that moment. And our guest this week is former University of Pennsylvania star and current Super Bowl champion, member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, Justin Watson. Justin, thanks so much for the time. Oh, Matt, it's always great talking to you, and I appreciate you having me on the podcast. So let's start. Since you guys won the Super Bowl over Kansas City, what's life been like? Man, it was just such a whirlwind uh, once we won. Uh, you know, it's each week it, it didn't feel like the NFC Championship. You know, it just felt like the next week, and you didn't realize that you, know, you were one of eight teams left, one of four teams left, and then the last two. And then it first starts hitting you when you all you see the confetti start coming down after the Super Bowl, and it's just a moment that I've watched so many times, you know, every year since I was a kid, and then now I'm standing right in the middle of it. And so that was the, the first moment that was really cool. And then, you know, we had the you know, celebration afterwards and, and the boat parade. And, uh, man, you just start realizing how big of a deal the Super Bowl is. You know, everywhere you go, um, you know, it was always cool being the NFL player. But, you know, being the Super Bowl champion, it, it just carries a little bit more weight. So it's been fun. I, I definitely enjoyed it for uh, a good two weeks. And then it was, you know, back to getting ready for next season. I'm trying to imagine what it must be like being a young NFL player and specifically this year, to have moments in a huddle where you're looking up at Tom Brady, you're lining up with Mike Evans to your right, Rob Gronkowski, you know, at at tight end. Uh, you know, you guys pick up Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. I mean, you're just surrounded by not just good players. Everybody's good in the NFL. But, you know, guys that are in many cases legends, if not all pro. What's the experience been like to just be surrounded by these guys? Man, it's just been such a blessing to have great teammates, experienced teammates, and and guys who really want to win. You know, I'd say the one thing contrasting Penn to the NFL. You know, in, in Penn, uh, when I was there, you know, you're you're I was the guy, and, and and a lot of plays came through me, and and so my role was was large in the game on offense, and I was caught the ball, ran the ball, and uh, you know, this year you just have to come into it with a humble spirit and a, and a worker's mentality because you know. With all our great players, that wasn't going to be my role. And so I was just happy to learn from guys like Tom, like Rob, and hear about what the playoffs was going to be like, just be a sponge around Tom and anything that he wanted to correct on my route running or something that he felt more comfortable with, you know, just make sure I, I do that right away. And then just be ready to you know work in whatever role I, I, I had that week. You know, There was a couple of weeks that I got to start you know, due to injuries to Chris. And, and that was awesome. And then there was other weeks where I mostly played on special teams. And so it was just, you know, being happy and appreciative to be in my position and, and just showing it through my work and my attitude every day. Let's talk a little bit about you growing up. Was football always your main focus as a kid? Or were you a kid that played whatever was, was happening season-wise or whatever the neighborhood was playing? Yeah, for me, my favorite sport was whatever was next. You know, in, in the fall, uh I love football, and then in the winter, I love basketball, and in the spring, I'd be playing baseball. So I, I really thought for the longest time baseball was going to be my sport growing up, and then 
uh, in my freshman year of football, we made it to the state championship, but I wasn't playing at all. I was on the scout team, the JV team. So I was just getting beat up at practice for 16 weeks. Uh, you know, in the cold of Pittsburgh, we played until the middle of December. And so after my freshman year, uh, in high school, I almost quit. You know, it, it was just, it was rough. I, uh, it was long. I was so sore and I had a lot of fun playing basketball. You know, I said, you know, I'm going to give it one more year. I'm going to work really hard and, and hopefully try to, you know, get some playing time as a sophomore. And, you know, it, everything kind of worked out with, you know, I, I grew a little bit, the off season went well. And then I started playing as a sophomore in high school. And then since then I, I just, it was my sport ever since then, you know, football in Pennsylvania is just different, you know, Friday night lights, you know, getting to play in the, in the playoffs and then all the way to the state championship game. And, and just the love that this state has for football just totally captured me. And, and I've been loving it ever since. Now you grew up in Western PA out in the Pittsburgh area, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So when you love football, when does that love start to track with, boy, I seem to be really good at this and I'm getting a little more attention and maybe I can carry this a little further than, than the average person. Was there a moment where that started to crystallize for you, you know, at 14, 15, 16? No, like, so like I said, I was, I feel like in some ways I was a little bit of a late bloomer, you know, really most, I mean, we had a, a receiver that played at Pitt who was a year older than me. So until I was a senior, I wasn't even the best receiver on our team, you know, let alone one of the best in the country in my mind. And so I kind of just came to work every day. Our coach just always preached attitude and effort and, and everything else would take care of itself. And then after my junior year, he said, Hey, you had a you know, pretty good year. I think some colleges are going to be interested. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. I thought, you know, maybe some D2 or D3 schools. And then that off season is when I got my first offer from Bucknell and it was a full ride and I hadn't even talked to any coaches yet. And so that was a, my first wow moment. You know, I realized that, man, I'm, I'm going to play football in college and, it, and I'm not going to, you know, pay anything to, to, to go to college. And, and from there, you know, we started looking at, you know, is it a big time D1 or one double A? And uh, I'll never forget, you know, I, I love my high school coach and, and he's still a big part of my football life today. And he was honest with me and said, Hey, you know, I was just at Northwestern. I watched them practice and I think you could be on the team there, but I don't think you'd ever play and have a, a big role there. And so I listened to him. We, you know, we sent my film out to just, you know, the Ivies and, and the other one double A's and, you know, the Mac. And uh, and that's what I focused on. And and so when I got the offer to go to Penn, I kind of thought in my head, well, I'm not I'm probably not going to the NFL. So I'm going to get a world class degree and I'm going to play some really good football at Penn. So I go to Penn and and same deal, just kind of work every day, my freshman camp. And after my freshman camp, I earn a starting spot as our third receiver. And so I set program records for receptions and yards as a freshman. And after that, I kind of realized, wow, you know, there's one or two guys that go to the Ivy League every year from the, or, you know, you go to the NFL from the Ivy League. And if I'm, if I did this as a freshman, then, you know, why not me? Why, if I keep working and I keep getting better, then, then why can't I go to the NFL? So the first moment I even thought about maybe the NFL was um, after my freshman year of college. Did you feel... When you talk about the success you had and the, the records you set as a freshman, what was the learning curve, though, just speed of the game, stuff like that, and getting adjusted to, you know, being five, six hours away from home? 
I think Penn does such a great job of, of preparing you for that. And I, I really tip my hat to all the coaches in the program there because I feel like I could hit the ground running really. You know, I was lucky when I got, I was coming from a high school that ran no huddle spread offense. And my freshman year at Penn, we were transitioning to the first year in a no huddle spread offense. So I got lucky because I wasn't really behind the curve. You know, I was learning the plays just as the seniors, juniors, everybody else on the team was learning them. Speed of the game uh, was something that I caught up pretty quickly. You know, the one thing that I, every level that you go up, it's just the physicality, you know, and there's always a play, I think, in every freshman in college's life and every rookie in the NFL's life where you take a, 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 a big hit that was unexpected and you fumble the ball in practice. And I remember uh, my first practice at Penn, you know, I caught a pass and I turned up field and then pretty much immediately someone stripped the ball off me. And it's just, you know, it's different than high school. You know, high school, you're the biggest, strongest guy. If you don't see someone coming, you can still brace for impact. And and that was my, you know, one of, I think it was my first practice at Penn and maybe my first catch, someone stripped the ball off me. And that's like, you know, the, the all-time sin in football is fumbling. And, and so that was my first moment where I was like, wow, you know, all these guys really want to play. They're all really good, strong, fast. Most of them are older than me. And uh, so there's definitely a lot of growing up that you have to do your, your freshman year of college. So freshman to sophomore, as good as you were as a freshman, you, you know, you take a quantum leap your sophomore year. Do you remember, were there conversations heading into that season with the coaching staff that, listen, we like where you're going. The opportunity is here. We know you work hard. You're going to become the focus of everything we do. Or was it more organic that it just kind of built as spring practice rolls into training camp and, you know, and, and stuff just expands? Yeah. So I wasn't sure what my sophomore year was going to look like, uh, you know, mo- coach, Priori took over after my freshman year. So we brought in a new offense coordinator. Uh, we had a new receivers coach who had been around, but you know, he was new to the receivers. And uh, I had my shoulder repaired. I had labrum surgery in that off season. So I missed all of spring ball with, with the new offense coordinator. You know, so I, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I knew I was falling behind the eight ball with practices and I was learning as much as I could uh, from the sidelines. And I was, lifting legs, you know, like every day of the week because I couldn't use my upper body. So I kind of came into camp unsure of, of where I was going to stand. And I'll, uh, there's a moment that I'll always remember. I was giving a campus tour with our new receivers coach, and, and we were walking some families and recruits around campus. When he introduced me, he said, hey, this is Justin Watson. He's going to be a sophomore receiver next year, and, and we expect him to be the best player on our team. It was just a, a wild moment for me because I didn't even believe that of myself at the time. I, I didn't wasn't coming into the season hoping to be the best player or knowing that was the expectation of me. But when the receiver coach said that about me, whether he was the only one believed it or that the whole coaching staff did, it just gave me, you know, such a confidence in myself knowing, you know, what I could do and what other people thought I could do that year. And so I you know, coach Ulrich was my receiver coach for three years after that. And he's a close friend and someone who taught me so much about football and got me to where I'm at today. And, and that moment was a defining moment for me, confidence-wise, going into my sophomore year. To give some context here, the people that maybe aren't familiar, you know, what your career was like at Penn, I think you have the first, third, and fourth highest receiving catches totals for a single season, all-time leader in receptions. I think your first, fourth, and sixth receiving – or excuse me, that was receptions. The other one was receiving yardage. But – 
You're littered throughout. You're the all-time leader in catches, yards, receiving touchdowns, all-purpose yards. I could go on and on. What was it like to be putting up those numbers? And I would say probably by halfway through your sophomore year, every Ivy League team by on Sunday, the week before they play you, has your number circled on the board. We can't let this guy beat us. And you constantly beat the other teams. How tough an adjustment was it to get used to that type of attention? On the other side, how satisfying was it, everyone in the building knowing you're going to get the ball so many times and to still be able to produce at high levels? Yeah, so like like you said, my you know my sophomore year was my first big breakout year, my first All American year, and uh, you know that was just I was just enjoying every moment and going with the flow because, like I said, in high school I wasn't even that guy in high school. Um, you know, we had another kid who did jet sweeps and, and reverses, another kid who they would move into the slot. So for me, it was it was all first. You know, I was normally playing on the outside. Then I got double covered, so they, they put me in the slot. Uh, and then I started getting, you know, double covered or bracketed from a, a nickel and a safety in the slot. So then I started playing in, in the backfield and getting some handoffs out of the backfield. You know, any way they could, they could get me the ball. And so I was just enjoying it. You know, it was things I had never done, but I was having so much fun just playing football kind of like we did as, you know, middle schoolers where you just try to get, you know, your guys who are fast, uh, the ball any way you can. And then after that year, you know, I, like you said, I started realizing that hey, this is going to be a lot harder. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, everyone's going to know where I'm at and they're going to have a game plan for me this year. And I'm not going to catch anyone by surprise. And I remember I had a, stat- a statistics teacher came up to me we were talking about regression to the mean. And if anyone knows what regression to the mean is, uh, he was saying that anytime a player has a breakout year, uh, you know, don't draft them in your fantasy football team because they're going to track back to the, the average the year after that. You know, everything went right for one year and then they'll, they'll backtrack. And he, he called me out by name essentially and was like, you know, and, and Mr. Watson, I know you had a great year in football and, you know, this, this rule applies to everybody. So I remember that was, that was a motivating factor. And I said, you know what, I, this, you know, I don't want this past year to be my average or I, I want to get even better. And so there was just such a chip on my shoulder the whole off season. I still felt like, you know, not, you know, there's teams in the Ivy league who didn't know me coming out of high school. And I had such a huge chip that I didn't have any, you know, one a offers and I wanted to show everyone and prove everyone wrong. And uh, especially once, like I said, the NFL came in sight after that year, you know, I just, there was nothing getting in my way and, and it was uh, fun having teammates around and people to push me and support me the whole way through because we really worked, really worked hard that off season after we won, uh, you know, share the Ivy league title my sophomore year. And we really wanted to go back to back uh, the year after that. To the point of that conversation. I mean, it wasn't just that you put up numbers, but critical third downs, you know, tie game goal to go. I'm sitting in the play by play booth. I know where the ball's going. Uh, it's just a matter of how it's going to go. And yet you would constantly come through. What could? How palpable was the frustration from guys that were defending you that they probably knew what was coming and they still couldn't stop it? I mean, there had to be times where that just had to be an incredible rush to know that these guys are working so hard to prevent me from doing it, and they, they can't. It was fun because I'm not much of a trash talker. You know, I just kind of let my game do the speaking. But a lot of guys want to want to trash talk me. And uh, so I remember in college, you know, there'd be times where, you know, say they 
I mean, they come out in a new defense and they would, you know, bat down the first pass in my direction, whether they were playing cover two to my side or just double covering or whatever. And our offense coordinator, John Reagan, was so good that he'd find a way um, to get me the ball in some type of capacity. He'd give me some type of one-on-one matchup or something where at least I'm, it's me versus safety over top something. And uh, one game I always, I always remember um, I, it was my junior year year at Yale and uh, they, they came out with a good game plan. It was a little bit wet and they like, they tackled me for like a two yard gain on my first carry. And like the whole defense is around me all chirping. And you can tell that they've been getting talked to all week. And, you know, then after that, uh, me and Alec Torgerson just just kind of lit it up and we went for, you know, like I think three touchdowns and 180 yards in the first half. And it's just cool seeing them go from all together, tackling me, chirping on me. So after the third touchdown, right at the end of the, the first half, you know, they're all bickering and, and yelling at each other. And, and that's one of the, my favorite parts about football is it's such a physical game and it's such a hard game and you need such a passion and a will to play it. And everyone starts the game with that passion and will, but at a certain point you can break it on, on your opponent. And so that's what was, was fun for me each week. You know, they would get, I felt like opponents would get, you know, psyched up all week and they'd come up with a game plan and they believe in it. And then just to see, uh, just to see the belief in the game plan fall and, and them start realizing that they weren't going to stop us that week was, was fun for me. When you're sitting in meetings during the week and game plans are being developed and you see ideas of how to get you the ball when you're a pen. Were there ever moments where you were like, wow, I never would have thought of that, but yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I, a lot of the reactions is they put a new play in. And like I said, I, I think at times in, in my young career, I was humble to a fault. Um, and so they'd show me that, Hey, this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to get open. And I, my initial reaction to, in my inner conversation was like, Wow. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. You know, I've never done that before. You know, I've never, like I said, I've, I never played running back and got a handoff out of the backfield, or I never ran that route out of the slot. And now it's going to be a huge part of our game plan. Um, but I was always willing, you know, I would say, well, you know, it's only Tuesday. we got three days of practice. You know, I'm just going to go out there and, and, and try my best at it. And I think uh, that took me a long way. And, and it was, even if I messed it up the first time, I was going to keep, trying and, and going back and doing it and working and, and staying after with after practice with the quarterback, staying after practice with our receiver coach until I got it just right. And then, you know, each week it was something new, you know, a, a route or, or some type of scheme or, you know, some motion out of the backfield or something. But, you know, just, just putting the work in and, and really repping it out all week in practice. When we got to Saturday, I was just, I was just so confident and ready and, and I trusted in, you know, our quarterbacks and, and other receivers and our, and our coaches so much that all that really mattered was winning. So I was going to do anything it took uh, to win for us. Talked about all the numbers and the records you set. You were part of a couple Ivy League title teams. When you think of your time at Penn, you know, what are some of the top memories that, that come back? Yeah, and I think a lot of them start for me in my sophomore year because, you know, we, we took a team that was 2-8 and eight the year before, and then we turned it around and, and went seven and three and, and ran the table down the stretch uh, to get a share of the Ivy title. The first, the first big memory was when we beat uh, Villanova after the, you know, 104 year drought, you know, no, we didn't play them 104 times. Villanova was just one of those teams that we couldn't get over the hump for a long time, even before I was 
Penn. And, and I remember being a, a Pennsylvania guy and just, you know, Villanova always getting the better of Penn. And in my freshman year, I remember kind of like what I was talking about, you know, we got down on Villanova early in the first half, but the game was far from over. But a lot of the guys, you kind of felt like, oh, here, here it comes again. You know, we're, we're going to get blown out again by Villanova. And uh, that was just an attitude that I was, I was sick of around Penn. I didn't think that we should come into any game thinking that we were going to lose to anybody. And, uh, and so that was a game I really wanted really badly was, is for us to beat Villanova. And that was one of my first uh, kind of breakout games. And it was put us on the map a little bit and gave us a lot of confidence that if we can beat number four Villanova, you know, at night on the road, then we can beat anybody this year. And then, so we, we beat Nova and then, uh, you know, down the stretch, we, we end up beating uh, Princeton and then Harvard in back-to-back weeks to secure a, a share of that, that title. And, and those games were just so fun. You know, that Harvard game, they had a 22-game win streak. And so another team that was undefeated, undefeated the year before that, and we're coming into their place on the road. And, you know, I had maybe the best game of my career against them. It was just so fun seeing that team go from 2-8 and eight the year before, you know, not knowing if we were going to beat teams going in. And then down the stretch, it felt like we could have beat anybody. And that was a year I wish we could have played in the playoffs because I think we were just getting hot at the right time. There, there's so many fun memories. That's what I love about Penn. It's it's a brotherhood and, and everybody really cares about each other. Everybody wants to win. And that's one of the beauties of going to a school that, you know, not everyone is going to the NFL. And, and this is their last stop for football. And they want to make the most of it. And they want to win as many games as they can. And that's what I bought into at Penn. You know, I, I wanted to go to the NFL, but first and foremost is I wanted to win for everybody else. And, and, and that's what everyone believed is we just wanted to get wins and, and celebrate together and, and championships. And so it was a, a cool, really cool atmosphere and a lot of cool memories I have from Penn. So you mentioned the NFL. It, to anyone that was watching, it was obvious that you were going to have a shot because of your physical talents, your work ethic, the numbers you were putting up. So as a senior, obviously your main focus is trying to win an Ivy League title. But does the attention from the NFL start to become something you have to deal with as far as scouts, maybe coaches or, you know, your, your pen coaches saying, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you, stuff like that. Uh, do you remember when it's the process kind of started to trickle into your life? Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. I was, we were in camp going into my senior year, you know, before, you know, camp, summer camp before uh, the fall actually started. And uh, I was catching punts with another guy and he asked me like, Hey, are you the type of person that if you know, someone's watching you, uh, you get all wigged out or, and you'd rather not know. And I was like, no, what are you even talking? Like, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I said, you know, not really. And he was pointing over and he said, well, there's a chiefs scout over there and I'm pretty sure he's not here for any, you know, anyone else. And, uh, and so I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I thought it was so cool. And, you know, I always, you know, work hard at practice, but I was like, so geared up and I wanted to work even harder and then run even faster. And I had like a terrible practice. I remember thinking I blew it. You know, I just, I had a, you know, a drop or two, I slipped, you know, I just, anything that could go wrong, it went wrong. And I remember kind of hanging my head after practice and another one of our assistant coaches, uh, coach downs, uh, came up to me and was like, Hey man, you know, you don't need to do anything more than what you've been doing the last you know couple of years. Just keep doing what you've been doing you know, it's just one team and when one practice, you know, there's going to be plenty more of those. And uh, so after that, I stopped 
pressing on on the NFL. I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to play my game, do what I do every day. And that was a, a, a helpful moment and a helpful thought going forward. The fun part about it was that everybody else wanted it for me, you know, maybe even more than I wanted it for myself. Um, that, you know, when, they, when a scout would come to a game or practice, you know, to me, it was just, let's just focus on winning. If we win, everything else will take care of itself. And if I play well, then we'll win. And if, I, and if we win and I play well, then the NFL will take care of itself. But yeah, our, our coaches really wanted it to happen for me. And, and I know in practice, uh, like, you know, a scout would come for maybe 30 minutes and the 30 minutes that he would there, our coach would pull out like all the big plays and run all these, you know, plays that, that I liked running and, and make me look good. And, uh, and so he, you know, we'd, we'd crush seven on seven together and then the scout would leave and he'd pull me off to the side. Like, well, you know, and like, Hey, well, I, I did everything I could for you there, man. And I, and I, I'd appreciate it. And down the stretch, you know, they were, they were, and instead of giving me handoffs, they give me touch passes, uh, you know, going across the middle. So it counted as a, as a reception. And they did some of that stuff for, you know, record books and things that now looking back are really cool to have, but in the moment, you know, I just wanted to win. And, and then after the season, I was going to worry about the NFL and what my stats looked like. Now it was uh, something that was in the back of my mind, but just winning was, was the ultimate for me. And especially when I got voted a team captain, you know, it was, it was team first the whole way. To the point of once the season's over and the focus becomes the NFL, how much of a grind is that process? I'm, just constant workouts and you start getting into, I know there's like paperwork questionnaires, stuff like that. Pro days. Did you enjoy it in the moment or was it more something you looked at as a means to get me where I want to go? Yeah. So at first of all, it definitely is a, a grind. You know, I would take a, a week off after the season, you know, when we'd finish in Thanksgiving and uh, so I took, after my junior year, I took a week off. And then after that, you know, you work, 51 weeks straight until you finish and then as a senior and then I had to immediately go into combine prep and training for that so you go you know 51 straight weeks right into you know training for all-star games and then right into training for the combine and then right into training for you know your rookie camp and OTAs and so it's just a, a lot of weeks where you don't really get any time off of working out or, or football but for me, I loved it. You know, it was after I finished and you had, you know, I, yeah, I had like three days to finally decide on an agent where I could really talk and not have to worry about my amateur status, um, you know, being revoked. And uh, so I signed an agent, we figure out where I'm going to do my combine training. I'm going to do it in Florida. And then, you know, I'm scrambling to find, you know, five classes that I can take remotely online, you know, down in Florida while well, you know, so I, so I can work out down there and still get my degree. So it was hard looking back, you know, the, we worked out twice a day and then I had class that I had to catch up on, on at night and, you know, fly back for some tests here and there. Um, but it was my first taste of, of being a professional athlete, you know, first taste of waking up and the, the most important thing on the docket was, was working out for the day and, and getting a little bit of money as a stipend just to carry me over but it was just so fun thinking that, um, you know, something that I, I love putting extra time into is going to consume, you know, all my time at, at some point. And, uh, 
so that was, it was a fun process. And then, uh, you know, I get, I get to play in the East West game and, and that was a, a huge honor and a fun week. And I've, it's, it's hard because every moment you're being evaluated, you know, in the hotel, you're getting interviewed all the time. Then at practice, you know, there's every scout from every team is there. And, and then you, you know, what go to get something to eat and there's scouts, you know, in the dining hall looking at, you know, how does he treat the staff and how does he talk to other players? So you just got to be on all week. And I remember getting to Friday, which is we, the game is on Saturday. So I kind of exhale on Friday. Like, man, I just interviews are over. I just, most of the scouts leave. I just got to play the game and then I'm out of here. And I got a call from my agent. Hey, you know, a receiver just dropped out of the senior bowl and they want to, they want you to, you know, play another week. And a lot of teams want to see you there. And then, so I was like, man, I, you know, I thought this was a one week thing and I go to Mobile, Alabama and do it all over again in the senior bowl. But man, all those experiences, it, it helped me get drafted. And it was, it was just so fun. And, and my first moment into, like I said, the Super Bowl, all these games that I grew up watching with my dad from when I was a young, young kid. And now I get to play in the senior bowl. And so, uh, you know, there were, there's some you know hard moments, hard weeks, but you know, as a kid who loves football and when you're the NFL is your dream and, and you get to live it out and try to fight for it. It was a ton of fun. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with former university of Penn star and current Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, Justin Watson, right after this. Hey everybody. It's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW news radios, community affairs reporter, but every week I produce and host flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers and change makers burning things up in our region. From gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools, we'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back. Our guest this week, Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver Justin Watson. During the draft process, you end up being drafted by Tampa in the fifth round. During the process, do the Buccaneers make themselves very known to you? Or were they in stealth mode watching you? And if I had asked you the day before the draft, maybe they're not even in the top five or six teams you think are going to take you. Where did Was there interest in you palpable to you? Yeah, so there, uh, there's, there was nine teams that brought me in for a uh, pre-draft visit. Each team gets 30 pre-draft visits. Uh, and so nine different teams brought me in and, and the teams that you want to, my agent said, you know, one of those teams is going to draft you or the Patriots are going to draft you because the Patriots were in stealth mode and they liked me a lot, but they didn't want to bring me in for the visit so that everyone else would know they brought me in for the visit. Um, and so some of those teams I went and they told me, Hey, you know, we're, we just brought you in for the physical and, you know, we'll, we'll draft you if you're there in the seventh round or if you're a free agent, then we'll like to pick you up, but you know, we're not going to draft you. And so there was probably you know, four or five teams that I thought were going to draft me. I remember I really thought Green Bay or Baltimore was going to draft me. And then, you know, Tampa or the Patriots probably would have been next. And, uh, you know, I was, I worked out the morning of the third day of the draft when I thought I was going to get picked. And I remember I get a call from my agent. He's kind of frantic and he's like, Hey man, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, he's been telling me I'm definitely getting drafted by this at this point, you know, all week he's like, you're getting drafted, you're getting drafted, probably fourth or fifth round. And then he calls me all frantic and he's like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, 
No, no one's picking up the phone. You know, it's just a dead silence day. You know how it goes. Ivy League guys, they always end up falling. Like, you know, you're going to be on some team and that's all that matters. But, I, you know, maybe it's seventh round. Maybe it's free agent. I, you know, I, he's like, I, I, I don't know for sure. And so now I'm like, well, dang, you know, I got my family here. You know, I thought uh, we were in, in, in at, at Penn. And I thought, you know, I'm for sure getting drafted. And then he calls me like, you know, I, you know, it's draft. I don't know what happens. Everyone holds their cards so tight. And we get to the end of the fourth round and Green Bay and, and the Ravens both had picks. And so I thought one of them was going to be me. And they both draft receivers in the, at the end of the fourth round. And I thought like, man, this is going to be a long day. Those are both teams that I knew liked me a lot. They took receivers and maybe I am going to fall. And kind of right then is, is when I got a call from the Bucks and the fifth round had just started. And they said, you know, hey, Justin, you know, if you're still there and, you know, a couple picks here, uh, we're going to we're going to take you with the you know seventh pick in the fifth round. Man, that was it was just one of those everything, just all the work and, and teammates and you know, hard times and good times and everything that I had hoped for kind of finally came to fruition and got lived out in that moment. And so it was just it was such a fun moment to share with my family you know I, I still watch that video uh and just think about what a lucky and blessed time uh that was when i got to be with all my teammates uh who had been there for my pro day and, and been there for you know all four years uh previous to that so yeah it's a, it's a scary process but man it was it was such a fun, one you know once in a lifetime and, and one of the funnest days um, of my life before we talk about NFL, you just mentioned being with your teammates and your family. How important, I know the answer to this, but how important is family? How much does your family drive you and you want to share everything with them? Um, families, I mean, family's everything to me. You know, I, I know you know, but my, my oldest brother, Tommy, uh, was born with cerebral palsy and, and he's, you know, in a wheelchair and uh, it paralyzed from the neck down. And, you know, he's just been such a, a huge part of my life and a huge influence on my life. And he's, he's the reason why, you know, I work the way that I work. You know, I remember uh, I was in high school and I just got done with two a days and, and my you know, feet had blisters on them and, and my, my legs were sore and I almost threw up earlier that day. And, and I was just so tired and I was complaining to anyone who would listen. And uh, my brother at the time was in an assisted living home and, and I'm going down the hallway to go visit him with my dad. And I'm complaining to him about you know, how sore my, my legs are, these blisters. And then I get down the hall and I, and I turn into my brother's room and, you know, there he is, you know, in a wheelchair in a room full of other men and women in wheelchairs. And he's smiling ear to ear. And in, in that moment, it just hit me. You know, I'm, I'm so lucky to even be on my two feet, let alone get to play a game, you know, like football. And, and I just thought of him in that moment. And, and if he had was lived in my shoes for one day, you know, he'd run until his feet were bleeding and he threw up and he it passed out. And as soon as he could get up and run again, he'd be back out running until he couldn't, you know? And so from that moment in high school on, I, I he just, he gets me through a lot of hard times and, and moments that I feel are unfair or, or moments that I, that I'm, I want to quit or I don't want to go anymore. You know, I just think of my brother, Tommy and, and, uh, how I'm just blessed with so much of the, with these gifts and opportunities that he hasn't had. And, and so I feel like I have to make the most out of them uh, for both of us. And, uh, and so that was, was fun about, you know, football on, on, on the weekends and in college was, it was something my whole family came to and, you know, whether my, my brother had a, a good week or, or not so good week, or if he was, you know, 
in or out of the hospital. You know, I knew for a couple hours on Saturday that, uh, you know, my family could just, just worry about football and have fun, you know, watching Penn win a football game. And that's why, you know, winning meant so much to me because I knew, you know, when we won, it was just such a lift to, to my brother and my whole family. Um, and, and, and I realized through the years that I wasn't the only one going through, you know, hard things at home and that everyone brought, you know, you know, a single mom or, or a, a family member that was sick or something that was harder on their family uh, to college. And when we won on Saturdays, you know, everyone just, just celebrated and had fun with each other for a day. And, and you start realizing how powerful that is, you know, to be able to just lift that off somebody for one day, get somebody, you know, that's going through a hard time to just have one day where they, they get to enjoy their, their son or their cousin or their nephew, you know, playing football and, and winning a football game. And, uh, and that's why football's always meant so much to me. And do I remember correctly, Tommy was able to come watch you in the NFL, uh, was it in Pittsburgh when you guys played the Steelers? I don't know. I think it might have been preseason. Yeah, my sophomore year, the first preseason game, they were, Tommy was able to come, and he was actually able to uh, come down onto the field for pregame. And he, hadn't, he wasn't able to go to any games at Penn because it was a little bit too far of a drive. And so it was his first game that he had been to since high school for me. And uh, – yeah, it was it was an awesome moment. I, it's a picture that I'll have on every wall, you know, every office for the rest of my life. You know, my whole family and 17 jerseys at Heinz Field um, on the field pregame. And and we had my whole extended family there uh, watching and supporting. And so, uh, yeah, it was I mean, the, the guy that I do everything for, um, you know, who doesn't get to go to a lot of games. The fact that he got to see me at, at, at Heinz Field. Uh, in an NFL uniform was just awesome for me. So the the move towards the NFL, obviously it's a ton of work. Do you remember the moment? You talk about the the excitement and the, the happiness of draft. When does that subside and kind of the cold reality of pro football set in that you are not the superstar, you are not the record holder, from Penn, you are now number 17, fifth round draft pick, yep. whatever you are on the depth chart coming into OTAs and stuff like that. What was that like? Yes, that was one of the things, one of the first conversations they had with me. Um, they were, they said, you know, Justin, you know, we loved you as a player. We loved your attitude and what you're going to bring into our building. But they were pretty plain with me and they said, hey, we got Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. Adam Humphreys, who's about to get a big contract, Chris Godwin's our fourth receiver, who is a budding pro bowler. And then, you know, you're fighting for that fifth receiver spot. And that's, that's what we brought you in for. And they said, you know, a fifth receiver in the NFL, you got to know every position, you got to block well, and you're going to be, have to be really good on special teams if you're going to play for us. And so I thought up to that point, I would do anything it took to get to the NFL. And then now I'll do anything it takes to stay in the NFL. So if, if it's blocking and, and tackling on special teams, then, you know, that's no problem. And, and I came down right away and, and had some, a couple of really good practices and was doing well on special teams. And about a week into my time in Tampa, I uh, hurt my hamstring and I was out for pretty much all of uh, like OTAs, you know, that, that first uh, off season program. And that's when it first set in that, you know, hey, just just because you got drafted in the fifth round doesn't really mean anything once you get out here. You know, once 
once you get onto the field, you know, all the draft picks and the contracts and all that stuff goes out the window and it's just, who's the best out here. And I started realizing that everyone was really good. We had a lot of, a lot of really good receivers all fighting for that one fifth receiver spot. Um, and so I, again, kind of just felt like I was back to high school or early days at Penn and, and now I'm behind the eight ball and I'm fighting and I'm clawing and I get back healthy for summer camp. And it was, it was hard. You know, I just, I wasn't in the shape I wanted to be in because I'm coming off this hamstring and I'm learning everything, all the kinks that I should have worked out in OTAs. I'm now working out in training camp and uh, it was just such a grind and a, and a battle um, because they wanted to see what I had. So they, I was just getting so many reps and reps and reps and reps. Um, and I couldn't say no to any of them, but it was just like my body could almost not take anymore. Um, so my rookie year was hard. You know, it was, it was hard being, you know, the fifth guy behind all those great receivers. Um, but it, it made me the, the player I am today. You know, I got to spend a whole year learning behind four awesome receivers. Um, and I got to spend a whole year just focusing on special teams and knowing that that was keeping me active and playing each week. And now, you know, I've, I've become a, a really good special teams player and, and uh, you know, developed as a lot as a receiver. And I know that being a receiver that plays special teams is going to, you know, keep me around in the NFL, uh, you know, for a while. And, and so it's, you know, it all, all happens for a reason. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful the way it did work out. Your first catch came your rookie year, your first touchdown the next year, uh, December 8th. Uh, a 17 yard catch from Jameis Winston. Do you, I am sure you remember the play, but do you remember breaking the huddle and was your thought process? Like, where were you? Were you the guy? Were you the, the, the first read on this or was it jailbreak? You got open kind of take me through it. Yeah. So I think, I really think it was probably a, a busted defense. You know, I, I was, I started on the outside and I motioned down to the slot and I had kind of just like our, we call it like a middle read. It was just a, kind of like a skinny post over the middle and just the way that a lot of defenses play I and mean, they take away the middle. So a lot of defenses, you know, you don't get the ball in, in that play. And I remember you know, just when you watch enough football and play enough football, you start realizing when a team messes up, like when there should be someone there and they're not. And I remember their safety came walking down and he blitzed off the edge and I kind of chipped him and ran into him. But I knew that once I saw it was, you know, two split high safeties and one of them blitzed that, Someone messed up. And so I, I turned and I'm like yelling at Jameis to try to get him to throw me like the hot route and he gets flushed out of the pocket. So I turned the other way. And then when Ray, when I turned the other way, I realized that he had thrown it in the direction that I was going. So I kind of had to spin around and then make a, a, got a little bit of a sliding diving catch. And it was just like, you know, I, I it was, you know, like I said, I went from catching 14 touchdowns as a senior at Penn. And then the next year I, you know, as a rookie, I caught a couple in, in the preseason, but then I went, you know, really a whole year without catching a, a touchdown in a game that counted. And uh, so it was just, you know, it felt like, you know, back in college and, and I, you know, through injury was, you know, played, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Evans hurt his hamstring that game. And so I kind of stepped into a starting receiver role uh, from that point on. And yeah, my, my whole family was there it was, you know, I caught the touchdown and it was just like, wow, you know, I, I went into the game you know, it's just with my normal role, I was going to, you know, be ready for anyone that went down to, to play in their place and, and play on special teams. And I was actually our punt returner that game as well. 
and then, yeah, and then I, I caught that touchdown and brought us within, you know, uh, a score of tying the game and had a couple of catches down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, it just brought me back to college. And then, you know, since then it, it gave me a lot of confidence, you know, in the five or so games that I've started uh, since then, you know, knowing that, you know, hey, I belong. I've scored touchdowns in this league and, uh, and knowing that's a hard accomplishment to get. You also you hold a, a very interesting place in Buccaneer history. You're the yeah. first. You're the only offensive player that actually has recorded a sack. Because you got a sack, I guess. Uh, Carolina tried to run a fake punt and it didn't fool you. Uh, tell me about that play. And you mentioned how special teams become kind of a center point of your your football life. So, what do you remember about that? And did you kind of realize in the moment what you had did or was it just, Hey, we got to stop. And then was it like, Hey, you know, you get a, you get credit for a sack for that. Right. Oh yeah. So I, like I said, I knew we knew Carolina and, and Matt rule who was at temple for so long. Uh, you know, they love running fakes and fake punts. And so I just, the, I, I saw the formation they lined up in and I watched a ton of film on any, any play that I'm going to be in the game. And so the, First in the first half, I realized they were running fake, and I'm screaming and yelling it out to everyone. And I can tell that they checked out of it. And then the next time, they kind of line up in the same formation, but they flip it. And so I'm screaming and yelling to everyone. And uh, and so I thought it was a fake the whole way. And then when he, well, you know, lined up to pass, and I, I didn't think I was going to get there, but then he tried to step up in the pocket, you know, punter trying to act like a quarterback. Um, you know, I just came and, and just hit him as hard as I could, and. And after I tackled him, I got to the sideline. I was kind of like jokingly the one telling everyone, like, hey, he lined up for a pass. You know, that that's not a tackle for loss. That's a sack. You know, he was he was throwing. I remember all the defensive linemen and the edge rushers were like, no way, no way that counts as a sack. And, you know, I, as an offensive guy, you don't realize how hard it is to get a sack. And, you know, there's edge rushers that we've drafted, and it's been a year and a half, you know, since they record, you know, recorded a sack. And so when I, I remember when I got that sack, there a couple of my close friends are you know, edge rusher, defensive linemen, and they hadn't had a sack in their whole career. And so it always be like them catching a touchdown before me, you know. And so they uh, they were ragging on me for a while, you know, saying that, uh, you know, that I didn't realize, you know, how what how hard it is to get a sack. And it kind of just fell to me. But then uh, I guess it put us back in the lead for uh, most sacks in the NFL. Uh, at that point, so then everyone was was happy that an offensive guy chipped in on the uh, on the sack total for the year. And I know this is a podcast and it's audio only, but the way your face lights up talking about that sack, and it's so funny because defensive players love catching, you know, when they go in on the goal line stuff like that, and offensive yep. players love making plays like defensively like that. It, it's it, you can almost feel it's like a badge of honor for you guys. No, seriously, that's exactly I, I like what you said. I felt like one of those those big three hundred pound D linemen that that catches the uh, you know the pass out in the flat for a touchdown on the one yard line. That's what I felt like uh, in in the opposite direction. So for you guys, we mentioned you win the Super Bowl. There was a lot of attention on you guys coming into the season. Obviously, signing Tom Brady, and that's going to bring a percentage of attention. But you talk about all the talent you guys had and. Uh, frankly, the first few months it was up and down as everybody was mm-hmm. was was feeling themselves and, and kind of learning to play together. Was there a moment where you kind of felt like in the locker room or just watching or playing that you guys started to, to hit your stride, 
you know, where did you felt like, okay, I think we're figuring this out. We're going to be tough out from here on out. So kind of the, the season as a whole, you know, Tom was so great because been through it all. And he's, he's seen teams that started hot and, and finished hot and teams that needed to find themselves. And then, you know, ultimately got to where they wanted to be towards the end. And so the whole first month or two of the season, Tom just kept telling us like, Hey, you know, we're not the team we're going to be, things are going to change. We're going to find out who we are, what we do good. Kind of don't worry about where we are as a team right now. All that matters is that we win enough games early in the season so that when we find out who we are and we start playing well, that, you know, we'd haven't shot ourselves in the foot so many times early in the season that we'll still get into the playoffs. And so we start off and we lose, we get crushed in new Orleans and, and that was hard, but, Tom just kind of kept us on track and said, Hey, that's a really good team. We started out with it's our first game together. You know, we got Carolina, we just got to win, you know, each week we just have to worry about winning because we're going to keep getting better as a team. And so we were winning a, you know, a lot of games. And I think we were on like a three game win streak after we beat the Raiders. And then we signed AB, you know, week eight, he played in week nine, the first time against the saints. And we got, you know, dismantled against the saints, like 35 to three at home that was a hard loss to take. And then we end up going to stretch where we lose three out of four. And, uh, you know, we go to the bye week, you know, losing three out of four and, and, you know, it was, it was a gut, you know, gut check and a, you know, gut check for us as a team, you know, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of people outside the building were saying, you know, it's going to take two years for, for, you know, the Tom effect and for these guys to all get jailed together and you know, they can be able to keep the team together. And we just had to focus on, you know, hey, we, we know we're getting better, you know, in the second half against the Chiefs. We almost came back and, and won after they got up on us. And we kind of ran into a little bit easier part of the schedule. And uh, as we were improving and after the bye week, we we won our last uh, four games going into the playoffs. And then, uh, you know, we beat Washington. And the last, I think, huge test for us was beating New Orleans in the divisional round because it, since – Bruce Arians has been here you know, we were 0-4 against the Saints. We had won against them and they just seemed like they had, uh, you know, really great game plans for us. And we just couldn't get anything going against them offensively in the four times that we played them. And so that was going to be the game for, I think for all of us, that this is a team that's had our number. We haven't been able to beat them or really put up a good game against them in two years. And that's who stands between us and the Super Bowl. And we went into New Orleans and the Superdome and, and took them down. I think that was the moment when we all realized, all right, the Saints were the last team that we weren't sure if we could beat and we beat them handily. And, and now, you know, there's, there's no one but us stopping us. You know, it was just cool seeing the confidence grow when we went and played Green Bay and we beat them big earlier in the year, which gave us a lot of confidence going to beat them again. And then when we had two weeks to game plan against the Chiefs, I just know both sides of the ball. The defense just felt so good and, and everything that Todd Bowles uh, was, was giving them and offensively, you know, that, that first 15 plays is what you always talk about and starting hot and starting fast and, you know, a mixture of Tom and, and, and B.A. and Byron Leftwich. Man, they just drew up a lot of really great plays that uh, we knew were going to be big hitters early on and, and good plays in the red zone that we knew we weren't going to have to settle for field goals because we had a, a really good red zone plan against them. What was it? I mean, I talked to you the week leading up to the Super Bowl you weren't active for the game. You were on the roster, but one of the handful of guys that every week, was that something you expected? Was it, I mean, it's obviously disappointing, but you know, I know you're a team guy, you take it in stride, but what was it like 
you know, learning that? Yeah, it was hard. You know, it was a game that I always wanted to play in and I, I wasn't playing in it. But for me, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, each week I say I want to have an impact on us winning the game. And, and so, like I said, sometimes that's me catching passes. Sometimes that's me playing special teams. And other times, you know, it's going to be me uh, helping the guys that aren't nor- normally playing my spots uh, at receiver or special teams. And so, yeah, like I said, I, I thought yeah, I had a, I played you know, the week before that in the NFC championship and, and had our lone special teams tackle. And, and I just thought special teams alone that uh, would give me a shot there. But then when I knew I wasn't playing and we had a new guy playing a, a really important position for us on special teams, I kind of just take, took that as my role to, hey, I'm still going to really prepare like I always do. I'm going to help the guys who are in my position because winning a Super Bowl is good for all of us. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I guess that it's just, it just, you know, from the first time I played football, our coach was talking about attitude and effort, and those are the only two things you can control in this game. And so, you know, I couldn't control who the coaches were going to play that week. I couldn't control a lot of things, but I knew each day I can control coming in with a good attitude and, and putting an effort to help us win, whether it was on the look team or helping somebody else prepare for a game, you know. Do you ever have just like kind of holy crap moments when you catch a pass from Tom Brady or you pass Rob Gronkowski in the locker room? Like just these moments, like I- I'm sure you do, but just I'd like you to articulate it. Just what that what you're getting the chance to do and what you're a part of. I think the one moment that really describes it, you know, Mike Evans is, you know, I, I a really famous guy and he's an awesome guy. And, and whenever I first, out to Tampa and he's been welcoming me since I've been here, you know, we'll go out to eat with Mike or, um, you know, I, I work out with him all the time. And, you know, when we're out working out, it's, it's just us out there. And, you know, maybe one kid will come up, take a picture or we go out to eat, you know, no one really bothers Mike too much. We walk in the front door and we get a table in the back and, and then we eat. And I remember the, the first two times I met Tom, uh, we all went out to dinner as like receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, and, you know, like we didn't just get like a table in the back. There was like this room that was sectioned off in the in the back of the steakhouse that like I didn't even know existed. And we're all there. And there's like a door cracked a little bit that leads to the outside. And like, at, you know, we're all seated down. We see Tom, you know, pull around, uh, kind of get shuttled out of, the, you know, the back of this restaurant and kind of through the kitchen and, and out into the where we're sitting. And uh, so that was the first one I was like, and he, he brings you know, Giselle to dinner. And so at first I'm like, wow, you know, this guy, he can't even walk in the, the front door of a restaurant. And uh, you know, he brings his supermodel wife to, to dinner with him. And he just, but he was such a cool guy from the first moment. Um, and was just wanted to be one of the guys, wanted to be a teammate to everybody else and, and wanted to get to know everyone. And then the next day we were all going to a field to work out and we get to this field and it's on like a high school campus and, you know, they have security guards and, like, three checkpoints just to get into the field because Tom's going to be there. And then uh, I remember we're working out, and then a helicopter flies over and just stays hovering over the uh, the field. And I asked, like, something like, you know, what is that hel- what's the helicopter doing here? And they said, you know, anytime Tom comes out here and works out, this helicopter follows him to this field, films the workout, and then, and then follows him all the way home. And so that was the first moment I was like, wow, you know, I've, I've been working out with NFL guys for two years all the time at this point. And I've never seen a helicopter follow anybody and film the entire workout just because of who they are as a player, you know? And that was the first moment when I was like, 
you know, okay, this, you know, this guy is, he's an NFL player like the rest of us, but you know, there's something more to him, but yeah, you know, since, you know, because of quarantine and COVID, you know, we were kind of locked in our bubble, uh, but man, just the success he's had, you know, to think that one player has more Super Bowl rings than any franchise in NFL history is just, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's it's just an accomplishment that I, I don't think anyone ever thought would happen in any professional sport that one player could have more personal accolades than any franchise has, you know. Justin Watson, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you, man. I really enjoyed it. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank former University of Pennsylvania football star, current Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Justin Watson, for being our guest this week. If you like this show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and check us out next time when we bring you another conversation with somebody you should know more about.